I love how the one time I'm here, like actually early, Ferber's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be a few minutes late." He's already a few minutes late. <laughs> I know <laughs> he's already a few minutes late, but you know, he was in the presence of greatness today. Went to he went to practice. So. CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 2nd. The Cavaliers are on the practice field. This is not a drill, though there are lots of drills happening on the practice fields outside McHugh. Um, on the practice fields, I guess, outside of what will eventually be the uh, the new ops center, outside of the um, um, indoor facility where one Justin Ferber was today. We will hopefully have a time to get to that. Last week, we, we made a little bit of a promise to say we were going to do part two of our final summer topic. So we are going to knock that out. And then depending on how much time we've got left, we'll dive into some um, some preseason football talk. We're going to save the alignment stuff for another day. Um, all I know is that FSU is really high on its own supply. That's all I'm saying. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. I really don't have anything funny tonight. I don't know why. Um, who days on the board? Add who days on Twitter. I'll be better next week. <laughs> Fair enough. And <laughs> Charlottesville, uh, editor-in-chief, the aforementioned Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Dave's not quite in camp form yet. Um you know, it's it's time. It's you know the calendar's turned to August. It's time to get yourself ready for some, you know, game in season jokes. I mean, you have to be raising the raising the bar. Um, you talking about practice? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, we are talking about practice. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, not on Threads. Yeah, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Chat, Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in game updates, content items, and occasional witty banter. Uh, Cavs Corner is also on Threads and Macedon and Blue Sky. I, I, it's just ridiculous that I do this every week, but I'm going to keep doing it because maybe, you know, you never know. All right. I'm going to put a prop in the prop. That's thing of over under when you just don't do it anymore. (laughs) Listen, the other day I completely forgot that the other ones existed. And so, (laughs) and so I did a thing like three days later, it was like Monday and I was like, Hey, in case you missed it the other week, you know, that was as close, uh, as close as I've gotten so far to just saying, just punting, no pun intended. Speaking of punting, um, which I think that one's going to be a pretty easy pick when we get to this in a little while. Here's the way we're going to we're going to work the defense. All right. So, again, final summer topic. Um, we're going to knock this out. I did think earlier tonight it was actually really nice that the that the um, podcast gods gave us fall camp um, starting on, on the day of the podcast and all this realignment uh, stuff starting on the day of the podcast. And of course, we're not even going to use most of that. Um, all right, four defensive linemen, four linebackers, five DBs, and a punter. Uh, Dave had a very good point about this because I was going to go two di- two ends, two tackles, you know, 
um, such and such. But by doing it this way, we get basically a starting group, regardless of what uh, f- what uh, alignment you're playing, and we've already got backups in the whole nine. So four, four, five, and a punter. Um, any questions from the congregation before we get started? Okay, good. No, and just yeah, we're just building the ultimate team, all consensus, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, just we're going to do the same. Of- yes, for the for folks who are just tuning in. Hi, this is Brad. Um, for those of you just tuning in, uh, four defensive linemen, four linebackers, five DBs, and a punter. We all have to agree um, on the names of the of the guys that get selected. I think we're going to have a lot of consensus as we move through this, which is why I think we're going to get to um, some preseason football conversation later. All right, let's start on the defensive line. I think we can all agree that Chris Slade is your number one pick here. Um, I don't think there's any reason to um, – to to dilly dally when it comes to that um for me my second was uh chris long um yeah i know dave is going to argue because yep. he doesn't think nope. he's this no i pick him second um my third here was antonio dingle because i'm sorry he's just my favorite. <laughs> i don't even, i don't even care what the stats say antonio dingle was my favorite defensive tackle uh probably ever um and i don't what about I your cousin that went to Notre Dame. No, we don't talk about him. He's he's been uh, he's the black sheep of the family. Um, <laughs> and then my fourth uh, pick here is Patrick Kearney. So I mean, I know that that's three ends and a and a, and a tackle, but you know what? They've set up a system by which we could do that. All right, yeah. what are what are we? What do you guys think? What do you think of those four? Do you have other nominations for discussion? I'm okay with you know, Slade. You could argue as a linebacker, but I have him as a defensive lineman too. Um, he played a lot. Of maybe edge. he's a bandit. Yeah, that's kind of what he was. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Fon is a defensive end. Long, I think, is easy number two. Um, look, I love Dingle. I've told the Dingle story before, but um, I don't think he's top four if you're just drafting defensive linemen, especially when you got guys like um, Mike Frederick out there and Chris John Canny Harris. out there. Chris <laughs> Um, yeah. Now, again, I'm I I'm not saying that it's necessarily yeah. a, uh, a a pick that makes a lot of sense to everybody, but it is a pick that makes sense to me. So that's yeah. what I went with. Huh. Um. All I right. Would, well, I then. Veto that one. So so other than Dingle, uh, do you like Kearney in the group or no? Yeah, I do like Kearney. Okay, so we got three. Which who's your fourth? Then would you put Frederick in there? Would you put John Harris in there? Who, oh, I think it's fourth? Frederick. John Harris, like even though he got drafted high, it really wasn't that. Big of a standout at UVA. Yeah, I feel that. Um, Mike Frederick was really good. I'm trying to pull his stats. He's fourth like, in all time in sacks at 26. Yeah. One behind Blackstock. Two by. Gosh, I didn't realize Clinton sent him at 29 in three years. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, he's on my list. Um, <laughs> Chris Slade obviously had 40, which I mean, my yeah. God. Yeah. I, think, I didn't I think, realize I think Patrick, that's it. I mean, Patrick Kearney had a 15 sack season in 98. That's impressive. Kearney was a bad dude, man. Yeah. Okay. Well then, yeah. Let's nice give NFL career. Yeah, he did. He could do too. All right, let's give it to uh, Mike Frederick there on the defensive front. Uh, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I just you know, every once in a while you gotta you gotta make your own sentimental pick. You know. That's All right, fun. linebackers is gonna be tough because um, I feel like I have like seven that are non-negotiable. Um, I, let's just start with Sharper and Farrier. Um, it's absurd that those two dudes. I mean, the, uh, absurd. Uh, are they both? Did they play together? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. We wonder why those. We wonder why those teams are good because had Botsy and Jamie Sharper in the middle. 
of the, don't of forget the whole Dylan thing. Taylor. Uh, hopefully he listens to the podcast. He's a friend of mine. He, he was the, uh, the cream in that Oreo, as I like to say back in the day. <laughs> did they say, did you say Noah Taylor? No. <laughs> I was going to say, I think he's ineligible. <laughs> uh, don't forget Wally Rayner was on some of the teams with them too. Fair. Like, yes. Very good. Not going to make my list, but still very good. Um, all right. So we, we agree that two of the four are sharper and, and Potsy. We're, we're good with that. Yeah. Okay. Now the others. Ferber, you have any? <laughs> Ferber's just just hanging around for the ride. I mean, like. I'm trying to represent for the people of the post like 1997 era. Well, um, I got one for you then. Ahmad Brooks is on. The yeah, list. Ahmad Brooks He's is the most four. talented. I don't know what his. Stats I don't know. Were. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, all right. So are, Ahmad are you Brooks, gonna you're gonna me? you're gonna you're gonna knock him for his last season. But that dude was first team All American twice. Um, yeah. I mean, he's yeah, the most he's, talented. Defensive you're gonna, but are you I'm really gonna put seen. him on there ahead of Blackstock? Because we're running out of places to put dudes. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Blackstock was good, but Blackstock ha- kind of had a one big season too, and then kind of was just there. Dave, he had he had 27 sacks. He had 10 in one season. He had 11 in the two seasons later. He did not have one big season. But he was only. Let's see. I'm trying to remember how many. I think he was. He's third all time in sacks first at twenty seven. Second team all ACC. Um, well, I mean, I, okay. No, in fairness to that, you can't quite, but so because yeah. like other seasons necessarily, who's around them, right? Um, I the I'm not had a lot of dudes on it. It really did. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm against necessarily having um, a mod on there. I'm just saying that like. Uh, it's going to be real tough yeah. for me. Well, there's four spots, so we can we can leave those four. But then you then, just said a minute ago, then we're not li- then we're leaving Clinton Yeah, Sintem I was going to say. So we got to figure out who we're kicking out for Senum because I think Senum. I is, think it's a, I think it's Ahmad Brooks. I don't. I think it's pretty yeah. cut and dry. I, I mean, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm fine with that. Senum had twenty nine. I mean, Ahmad Brooks did get kicked out of something. So you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> we, the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I I do think Ahmad Brooks is probably the most excited I've ever been. Um, he returned for, kicks, uh, dudes. I know, I know, and that's yeah. He's he's special, but in in this kind of thing, I you know, I mean, there's a lot of special dudes that didn't make these teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, you got Randy Savage out there. We didn't even talk about like there's some dudes, man. <laughs> some Macho Man, dudes Nick Jackson. Yeah, I had Jackson, I had yeah. Michael Kaiser on my board. Uh, Angelo <laughs> Crowell. Kaiser? We haven't had. Yeah, Crowell's a good one. I mean, listen. This is this is a tough position. There's just no way around it, right? There's just dudes everywhere. Um, so I I I I don't envy anybody who you know. Tries I mean, we talked Wally. We said Wally Rayner wasn't gonna be on this list. Like he wasn't ridiculous too. So no, no, no. I just was saying that like I had a group of five from for the four spots, and I just didn't have him necessarily uh, on there. That's all. Just it was no 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 shot no shade. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Like, I never came up with the Final Four. I <laughs> just listed a bunch of dudes, figured we'd discuss it. Um, there's also Jeff Logman we didn't talk about. <clears throat> Super good. Um, God, who else are we forgetting? There's a lot. Jeez, I like it. Super good. Yeah, we should almost, like, when we get to DBs, you're going to wish you had this problem. But uh, yeah. Solid group of DBs. You're talking about yeah it's right. the least d- dupe of the groups but that's fair okay well then in that case it's, it's james figure jamie sharper daryl blackstock and um clint centum i think that's okay. a good group that's Athletic a good group. group yeah all right five dbs let's just get poindexter out of the way and Rondi barber out of the way uh yep. muffin curry out of the way <laughs> i nominate <laughs> keith mcmeans 
He's on. Uh, yeah, yeah. I he think probably, he got to. honestly, he probably should be on the board. But you know, honestly, like it, it's hard to find a second and third cornerback after Rondé. Um, there's some good ones, but no, some very good ones. Wait, what's no wrong? Wait, well, pause. What's wrong with Muffin Curry? Muffin is no for. He's not all time UVA defense, dude. Man. Muffin Curry's he's one of the most exciting players in school history. What are we talking about here? I feel like he was like a solid player. <laughs> like, he was really good. I, I can name like five dudes above him. Um. But yeah, I mean Marcus Hamilton, Razai Dowling, like they were better cornerbacks than Muffin. Muffin was fun. Chase Minifield, great. Yeah, Chase Minifield, Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall is my second. Ooh, Bryce TV. Hall. Bryce I feel Hall, like we gotta, get, we gotta get we got to get a Bronco yeah. era player in. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, hey, shout anybody, out to Nicole, Joe Nicole. Can you hear me? I forgot his name. Man, yeah, okay. Yeah, the only two DBs I could come up with that I was confident in would be Dexon, Rondé, Rondé and Bryce Hall. Um, Oh, you mean are we just doing DBs, or are we just splitting the corner safety dichotomy here? Not, yeah, I think we get two safeties, two cornerbacks, and then we'll argue for the fifth. All right, <laughs> so we, we got Bryce Hall on one side, and we got Rondé Barber on the other. Yeah, that'd, you'd be all right. Yeah, I think you'd be fine. I think you don't need. All right, you can maybe play somebody in the box <laughs> instead yeah. of having a safety. Um, and so, then Poindexter, I mean, and then is there another safety that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's several. So you got. Um, Percy Ellsworth, who was probably Percy Ellsworth. Percy Ellsworth. Probably. Man, that's a good name. Yeah, but you also have Ann Harris. You've got McLeod. You've got Juan Thornhill. Um, we haven't talked about Quinn Blaney, before. right? Yeah, Quinn. Yeah, Quinn's up there, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he is like. I think it's Ellsworth, but. So to recap, you're all right. Can I get back to the Muffin Curry of this? So we're really not going to have Muffin Curry in there? Really? You're really not going to do this? You just had a whole thing about how you, there weren't enough DBs, and I bring out the most exciting DB, basically other than Dex of all time. Hey, we're not building and, a fan favorite team. He'd be, be on that one. I mean, it's an all time all great. We can be whatever we want. We could do what we can. We do what we want. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to veto that one. Uh, okay. Jerton Evans, there's another good safety. Uh, my cousin, my my, uh, my cousin Tony Franklin. Yeah, Marcus Hamilton. Shout yeah, out to Nate Lyles. All right, so so it's Dex and Ronnie Barber. Yeah. Are we putting Quinn in there? I think Quinn's I don't know in if there. you can put yeah I mean, yeah I don't Quinn's know if you can put him above Percy, but I mean he's the all time leading game. tackle. He leads leader. the yeah, yeah. all time tackle leader, right? and he's like multiple all right, so time we'll go, all ACC. Was it? I mean, come on. So we got I think it just sucks because he kind of got he kind of got like his praise went by the wayside because they weren't good. Like, yeah, that's part. Yeah, that's part of it. All right, so is it Percy and then Marcus Hamilton? Is that is he going to be our third or our second corner? I don't know, but no, Bryce Hall. Uh, Bryce Hall. Oh, Bryce Hall. Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Bryce Hall, Rondé, Dex, and Quinn. So we have, it's number five. Do we want? So (laughs) I think it's Percy, personally. I think it's got to be Percy. Just go. Either either him or Adrian Bynum, because it's the biggest play in school history. Yeah, just let Dex slide down in the box and play a modified linebacker. (laughs) If Fentrell Cypress goes like second in the NFL draft, can we add him to the list? I mean, we do do what we want. I say it (laughs) again. We do what we want. One season of greatness. Um, all right, and then our punter, I think. Toledo Corcoran. <laughs> wow. Um, I think our punter is very clearly Will Bryce, correct? Does everybody agree with that? Uh, yeah. They, my, outside of Heath Miller, I don't know if there's a more obvious choice. For a I, had a, uh, I had a friend uh, reach out to me the other day and tell me he actually uh, roomed with him um, in, at UVA and said he was a very stand-up dude. Hey, Daniel Sparks is going to push him though. That's all. I'm saying. Hey, well, you know what? Hey, let it happen. If that mm-hmm. if that comes to pass, maybe we'll have one thing to be excited about come football season. Speaking of which, that is a heck of a segue for a good job. Um, 
I mean, I think we're we're all straight on the all time defense there. Do you want to recap? Yeah. Try to recap it for the people. Sure, make it easier right. if I want to go back and list it for on the board. So the defensive line is Chris Slade, Chris Long, Mike Frederick, and Patrick Kearney. Our four linebackers are James Ferrier, Jamie Sharper, um, Daryl Blackstock, and Clint Centum. Our five DBs are Anthony Poindexter, Rondé Barber, Quinn Blaney, Bryce Hall, and Percy Ellsworth. And our punter is Will Bryce. We didn't get a backup hunter, but y'all be all right. Um, we will not be picked pick last in the ACC with that squad. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you could you could defeat other planets with that defense. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Ferber, you went to practice today. I don't expect mm-hmm. you to sort of like roll out, you know, the annexation of Puerto Rico that you got to see happen. But um, that's a deep cut for all you uh, non-olds out there. Um, in general, I mean, other than... <laughs> Other than the uh, offense wearing white, what was um, what, what 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 were some of your takeaways? I mean, all this stuff sort of runs together after you've done this for a while. Um, so it wasn't I I wasn't like man, this is way different than anything I remember seeing before. Um, I would say like the there was a lot of urgency from the coaching staff. That's something you see in camp all the time, but I just kind of noticed it today um, more off more than normal. Um, I know last year there was a lot of talk about like, oh, the energy isn't where it should be and stuff like that. I never saw that as a problem, and it definitely wasn't an issue today. Um, you do have a lot of guys that haven't been in camp, you know, freshmen, new guys to the program, and you can kind of see their head, you know, spinning a little bit, going from drill to drill, and the coaches were really tight on that stuff, like getting where you're supposed to be. Um, as far as like takeaways i would say and i wrote this in my notes you know i I felt like the the team is as healthy as they've been to start a camp um in you know i've never seen a team with that few guys out on the side um and you know i think a lot of that has to do with a long off season and you know like they've been relatively they came out of the end of last season relatively healthy as far as the guys that were returning anyway um and then you know they were able to sort of like um get their off season started early and get guys ready. And it seems like they're in a pretty good spot going into, um, into this camp. Uh, the QB room is really thin. Um, just like watching them throw around and stuff. The receiver room, a lot of dudes, a lot of new guys, um, you know, a lot of different body types. The running back room looks legit. Um, as far as like, you know, the most playable depth, the defensive line looks pretty, looks big and ready to go. And they're just very old. Um, talk to Cam Butler after practice. He's excited about where that group is. Um, those are the big takeaways for me. I mean, we saw, we didn't really see a whole lot today, a lot of special team stuff and individual stuff. Hopefully as camp goes on and we get more open practice opportunities, we'll see more stuff. Dave, you got any questions you'd like to ask the man? Hmm. Trying to think of my normal preseason awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy looks big. This yeah. guy looks healthy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot was of there that. anybody Anything, physically that that did anyone saw... stretch really well? Like, <laughs> oh stretch. yeah, everybody was getting good stretching. Always, you know, they're always. I will say, like you know, Coach Smo does a great job um, getting the guys loose, limber. Um, what did you say, Brad? What did you? I was going to ask you if there was anybody like physically who sort of just sort of stood out mm-hmm. to you. Um. I would say like Wilson and Fields. I mean, they're just big dudes. Like they they looked the part. Um, I would say Faustin 
just because he's coming back from the injury. He looked like he was, you know, ready to go. No brace. Um, other than that, I mean, like the offensive linemen, the new guys, they kind of blended in with the group. Stevens is short, but I mean, he, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, other than that, I can't really think of anybody that was like, whoa, that guy looks huge now or anything right. like that. Oh, and as far as the guys that weren't practicing, um, Mikhail Boley, Donovan Johnson, and Will Simpkins were the three guys that were. How did totally Boley look, though? Like in the pictures I've seen of him, he looks he looked a lot okay. like more athletic than he, was, he did last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, his body looked pretty good. He was moving around. He just was on the bike, you know, during practice. Yeah. So, um, and they were doing some sort of like competition with the bike, like see who could get the most miles or something. So, um, that was interesting. Better than a pit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, like, you know, it will, it's also not as easy to tell sometimes cause they're not in pads yet. Right. Um, yeah. So everybody yeah. like the first pads day, everybody looks huge. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but especially the running back group looks big pra- uh, practices. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and the running back group looks big. Uh, Hawthorne, especially the freshman group, like he looks huge. Um, and like Mike Hollins looks, uh, we saw him on Friday at the media luncheon too. He looks like he's in great shape, ready to go. Um, Cody Brown looks really big. We talked to Kobe Pace after practice. Um, he seems How like he's really he? excited. He's pretty big, you know. Like I, I think he's he's a guy that kind of strikes me as a guy that could be um, a home run hitter or a power back. He's definitely not like slender. Um, mm-hmm. but he's not like thick either. He's not like built to just bruise up, you know, defensive backs or defensive linemen. Um, so I, I think he could probably do a little bit of both. He's, he's pretty big dude though. Um, and you know, I talked to Tony Musket after practice as well. He, uh, seems like he has a pretty good grasp on things. It just feels like, I don't know, maybe it's cause he was just here in the Springs. He, he just seems like a guy that's been here for a long time. Um, you know, a lot of times you talk to transfers and it's like, oh, they're just kind of getting their feet wet and figuring things out. He just seems super comfortable with everything. Um, you know, his demeanor and he's just real cool and like calm about everything and seems like he kind of, I mean, it definitely feels like it's his team, you know, as far as like at the quarterback position. And um, I didn't get to see a whole lot of him. We didn't get to see any like 11 on 11 type stuff today. So I'm interested to see him throw live if we can get some of that through camp. You mentioned in your notes about how fast um how fast uh starling Starling is (laughs) yeah and i I think between that getting to see dak twitty you know actually on the field yeah um, he looked he he was running he he looked pretty good i mean and then also getting a chance to see mims i i would think that like if i if i was able to watch like a full practice that the wide receivers you know with respect to the you know offensive line that would probably be the place i would be the most interested just to see the dynamics and everything I mean, the strategy, and you've done this, Brad, like you only have a certain amount of time. So what I usually try to do is like one day I look at one group, another day I'll go look at a different group, you know, and just see. It was tough last year with the offensive line because it was different every day. Like every single day, dudes were hurt. So like different guys were hurt. (laughs) So you couldn't really get a grasp of like with a pecking order. And you can't really do that on a day like today anyway, because they didn't really do any group work, um, you know, against the, the offense or anything. But yeah, receiver room definitely paid attention to that. They went through some ball security stuff. You know, Mims was really hands on. I really enjoyed talking to him on Friday. You know, I I don't really know him very well because he's new, but um, he was super engaging and seems pretty confident in his group. He seems like excited to coach them just because they're so young and um, you know, I think they have a lot to prove as a group just because they don't have a lot of game experience. Um, I think getting Malik Washington is huge just because they needed somebody in the room that has played a lot of college football. 
Um, even though like everybody's excited about Wilson and Fields, like they just haven't played a lot as like number one, number two type receivers, and he has. Right. So I think that experience is super valuable. And there was one interesting thing. I, you know, you guys saw it already, but <laughs> from camp where you know they were going through a ball security drill, and uh, Takai Kirby had what I would call like a, you know, first college practice type experience where you know he got stripped and then he kind of like just stood there and they were like no like you have to jump on the ball and they were you know a little bit more heated about it than i just was um and they like made him go chase the ball down and get it it was just clear like oh man maybe this is moving pretty fast for a guy that's coming from high school you know and that's normal like i don't think that's any knock on him or anything but it's just kind of a learning opportunity like the sense of urgency is super like important for these drills like they only have a certain amount of time in each period so i mean they're trying to get things done and they're also trying to get the tempo ready for like you know the opener and all that so um and right before that gaither made the receivers do up downs because they didn't get lined up quick enough so (laughs) i i I mean and and they did like two up downs but um you know it was one of those things where you know i feel like they're trying to kind of push the guys pretty hard right it's interesting to me that like on a team that has so much experience coming back in a variety of different spots, right? Like think about like how like stacked that defense is from, you know, in a variety of ways, you know, um, I'm not saying they're not going to miss Nick Jackson. That's not my, not, not my point, but the bigger, my bigger reason for mentioning this is like on a, on a team that has a lot of like returning pieces and guys, you know, varying degrees of experience, but guys that you're excited to see because they're returning, the transfers are like a very interesting group in large part because of sort of the way they fit. They are like the connective tissue that Virginia has to have, you know, has to have right. Right. Um, you know, not just because of musket, but you know, you mentioned Washington, um, you know, they're going to need help in a variety of different places. Um, and those transfer kids are going to be est- extremely important. Um, so it's fascinating to me to sort of see the way that piece is playing out. I think what's what's interesting about fall camp is like the the first couple of practices when they're getting acclimated and everything. You're not you're not really able to see a whole lot of actual football, even if you did get the whole thing, right? Um, most of the time, what you're really paying attention to is like where do the coaches see respective dudes, right? Because you can see sort of a pecking order emerge at various positions, especially offensive and defensive line. Yeah, and that really gives you a good insight. Maybe not necessarily to, in terms of how it's going to finish, but you get a really good feel for like, all right, well, this is where the coaching staff sees it starting. Um, and you I can, always think that's interesting when like a true freshman is out there, and you're like, you yeah. guys haven't even practiced yet. Like, how is this person already there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get some dude walks out there from day one. I well, I mean, it makes you wonder like one. how much stock they put in like the work they're doing in the summer, like unofficial practice type stuff that they're supposed to be doing, like you know, and like reports back from strength staff and stuff like that. For sure. Um, the uh, the other thing I think that's going to be really interesting to track, not just in terms of you know, which linemen are where and who's starting and that kind of thing. But do we see, do, you know, because we don't know how Hef is going to play this, right? Like, Tuesday was very famous for his whole, you know, you throw five coins in the middle, you play your best five. You know, will will Terry do that same thing, right? Will will this be a you, you play your best five or will they have specific um, spots that fit guys best and they stay there, right? So you actually have a true two deep as opposed to a swing tackle, a swing guard, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. And I feel like we're kind of at the place where from a depth standpoint, maybe not necessarily yet from like a uh, overall talent standpoint, but from a depth standpoint, they're probably in a spot where they actually could have the numbers they need in order to actually do it if, you know, kind of breaks right. 
I feel like this is where it would be cool if I could just drop in the audio from the media luncheon, like get a producer, our producer to do that. Um, Cause he like literally answered that question <laughs> where he was talking about like, he wants guys to cross train and he didn't say, I think play your best five guys is a little uh, cliche, you know, it's like, okay. It's not always that straightforward. Um, but he did say he wanted to kind of cross train, especially like inside outside and, kind of get a sense like brian stevens could play left guard or right guard you know that sort of thing now that yeah that makes i mean and that part makes sense to me but i mean hell 2j would move guys between guard and tackle inside yeah and i think there's only like one guy maybe two that you could do that with with this group i think there's going to be more like stratified roles so to speak but like um i think that you know it depends like i was looking at the roster when i wrote the countdown to camp for offensive line and it's really hard to figure out like the pecking order I mean, you have some guys you think are going to play, and then it's like, all right, like where does Noah Josie fit in? Because he wasn't there in the spring, and then they brought in interior offensive linemen from the transfer portal. So it's like, does he start? Like where does he fit in? Yeah, because you would have thought going into before, you know, he was out spring ball because of rehab for, uh, you know, um, ah, we had rehab for surgery. Wow, I could not say that to save my life. Um, but you would have thought he would have been kind of penciled in as a as a future starter given what we saw at times last year um but that's a good point that like there's so much not just uncertainty but unproven commodities along the offensive line that it it probably these practices are probably exponentially more important for for that group which is you know frankly is probably um aided in large part by the fact that that defensive front is very experienced and pretty deep right like they're going to get tested um, the offensive line will, and that's going to help. I think in terms of the coaching staffs being, you know, being able to sort of, you know, pick and choose, make those decisions. Um, what I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to bring this up without like it sounding bad. So I, I apologize in advance for this, but in terms of your interactions with with Tony Elliott, right? Your general impressions, because I think for a lot of people, the off season, um you know, it was long in, in large part because of the tragedy and, and such that the way the season ended last year. But certainly for a lot of people, Tony is a, um, has been a lightning rod. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to, to describe it, right? You've got the folks who think that, you know, he needs time and you've got people who are already sort of like checked out. Um, his, his demeanor at times early on in, the, in, his, in his first year as head coach was, was much discussed. Um, did you sense any sort of differences? Was he largely the same kind of guy that, um, you know, was there last year? Did you see any sort of um, anything that, that stood out, let's just say, be it good, bad, or, or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, like, Tony's always been really, really good with us. Like, I mean, I think he's very transparent um, and, you know, is gives good quotes <laughs> selfishly. But, I mean, like, I think um, – you know, he, he, he has a pretty easy going way about him with the media. You know, he's not combative or anything like that. Um, I will say though, in camp last year, it was pretty clear that like, um, I don't want to say things were going badly, but like there was work to do. I was either, there's, I was either thinking there's a lot of work to do where this guy's like really, really, really being hard on them. Cause like, you know, I would get to practice for interviews afterwards and they would be running late or you'd have specific position groups that were like asked to do more. And, um, 
there would be, you know, long talks after practice and that stuff today. I mean, it's one day, but he seemed a little bit more like pleased with what he saw. There weren't really a lot of negatives brought up in the media availability afterwards. Um, It seemed a little bit more when the practice ended, there wasn't anything, you know, it didn't seem like any group was like under a bunch of scrutiny or anything like that. Everybody just kind of broke up into their positions and went to the locker room or whatever. So Nothing to report back on that. I mean, I don't, I think a lot of that stuff, you figure it out as you go. You know, it's like guys are happy. Like even in camp last year, guys were saying all the right things. And then when the on-field product turned, so did the mood, right? So I think, um, and you saw that on the sideline, like a lot of frustration and stuff like that. So I think you're only as good as the results when in that way. So like, we'll see how it goes, but I didn't see, I can only report what I'm seeing. Right. And like, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary today. Honestly, it would have been, it was pretty much the same as if it had been a Bronco practice from like a mood standpoint. Did you identify your guy yet? Yeah. Do you have a guy yet? Mm, No, I I will say like long-term, I think Sedarian Harrison might be a guy. Um, I don't know that that's going to like translate now, but um, he just looks really smooth out there. Looks like a guy that could, I don't want to make a direct comparison to Alameda Zacchaeus, but that kind of player, um, you know, he's probably got work to do in the weight room and stuff like that. I think he could come along, but that was just from the very brief football that I saw today. Um, but yeah, Calandria too. I mean, he looked, I, I was watching them throw a little bit. He's got a live arm. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do down the road, but I would say, no, I don't have a guy yet. I'm, yeah. I really want to get over and watch Cam Robinson <laughs> uh, and see how he looks, but yeah, I'll report back. Hopefully maybe by next week, I'll have a guy. Calandria needs a little swag. That's the only thing I noticed. Is yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Just so quiet. <laughs> and you know, yeah. Um, timid. Right. Um, it seems like the quarterback room is pretty tight. Like they seem to like each other quite a bit. So the net, when's your next opportunity? Uh, Friday um, afternoon. Yeah. So your Friday, um, there's only one Saturday uh, option this year, and it's there's no availability after. So it's like you show for the first what ten minutes of practice, and that's all you get. Um, so in terms of like, what do you want to see? Um, you know, obviously you're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna let a, let let anybody see like the full practice, of course. But but uh, am I making of, requests now? No, 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 no. But like in general, like what are some of the things, you know, even as, you know, for folks who aren't going to be there, I'm just curious, like what do folks want to be hearing about from be it players or coaches or, you know, folks who were there? Like, what do we want to see? Like, what are kinds of things? What kind of development do we want to see? I mean, I personally would feel really comfortable and very happy if I heard some really positive stuff about who the answers were at corner. I think yeah, that's I mean, probably that's the big thing other than the offensive line. That's the, that's the place where I'm the most curious. Um, but I didn't, I wanted to toss it out to you guys and see what you see what you guys thought. I would say corner, especially you, since it's, it's easier to evaluate in practice because you get one-on-ones mm-hmm. whereas like offensive line, like they're not going to have us. We're not going to see like a full blown unless we get a scrimmage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, even if you got an 11 every, on period, you're not going to get so much out of that. I was going to say, I mean, last year, I think my answer was easily offensive line, but we had an answer coming out of camp and maybe it wasn't the right one. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> yeah, let's, we're not going to know if we got the right five out of camp. We're, we're going to see a few, few games in. So yeah, corner, just because I think the defense is going to have to carry this team until the offensive line figures it out. Um, hopefully figures it out. 
Yeah. And if there's a position of question, like it's going to be corner. If they're second, it's, you know, what's the linebacking crew look like? Cause you know what you got on the, on the back end and the front side of the defense. Right. I feel like on some level, and this might sound stupid, but um, which is always a really good um, way to preface something you're about to say on a podcast. But I've, I wonder how the coaching staff is thinking of the first game. I mean, look, if we're all going to be real, right? Of course they'd love to go and shock, the, you know, that's great. Okay. But that's likely not happening. And if that's the case, how are you sort of treating it? Because it can be extremely um, disenfranchising, right? For young guys who are really excited about the season to come into the opener and, and have a really tough result. Right. Again, would love nothing more than to watch them come out and, and really surprise a bunch of people. Um, maybe even themselves included. But my, my, my question is, is that like, I wonder how the staff is sort of treating it. Um, I'm obviously you're not going to like not play, you know, you're, you're going to put a game plan together. You're going to do your best to, to win the game. I feel like there's a way to handle it that not necessarily saying you tell your kids like, Hey, if we get our brains beat in, it's okay. Like you don't, obviously you don't, ever entertain that possibility with them beforehand. But I think as a coaching staff, you have to be mindful sort of like from an evaluation standpoint, like you might not be able to take a whole lot from that game. Um, you know, cause the thing that made me think of this is what you guys said just a minute ago. Like I think it was Dave said about, you know, might take several games. And, I, and I've been thinking a lot about that lately, just in terms of the idea that it, it could be in game three before we really have any hard and fast answers two questions that you know we, we we have had for months right simply because sort of just the way the schedule sets up do you guys do you guys feel like i mean i'm not asking you to make a prediction on the on the <laughs> opener or anything like that but like i just feel like it presents a really daunting challenge when you got a lot of young kids um because i do i do think that's a really really rough matchup for uva I, yeah, I, I mean, it's all about ahead. how the team is as a whole, right? And you, you can't, you won't know that till later in the season because was it 2013 Virginia? Like, I think it was 2013. They beat BYU and then got absolutely curb stomped by Oregon the next week and then kind of never recovered after that. Um, whereas Broncos' first year after losing, um, they uh, went out to Oregon and had a, you know, still got beat pretty bad, but they, they held their own in the second half and it kind of at least made the fans and the team team to say, okay, this thing might work. It's yeah. just going to take time after they um, had, like lost to Richmond the week before. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I don't know if you're going to know, and I don't know how you prepare a team for it. Yeah. You just go play and see what happens and hope you got a locker room that <laughs> you know, they can uh, deal with the result good or bad. Cause you know, going out, going to Nashville and, and hanging close and still losing and then getting your head swollen and getting, you know, beaten by JMU the following week doesn't help either. So, you know, it's college football. If it were easy, everyone would win all the games, you know? Yeah, I think it's a fine balance because on the one hand, I am I agree with Dave. I'm like, you know, you can't go out and be like, oh, we only lost to Tennessee by like 10. You know, clearly everything's figured out because you don't know. Maybe Tennessee's an 8-4 and four team and not an 11-1 team. We don't know. Um, that stuff you figure out later. That's why I was looking at the biggest point spread upsets earlier, just out of curiosity. And like a lot of them were in week one because we don't know like what the teams are. And so Vegas just miscalibrates their lines. Um, but I also think they're, I don't think it, it would be hard to have for a coaching staff. You know, these guys are all super competitive to, t to like actually have this conversation, but 
there's almost a path too where it's like okay we're not gonna like go for broke here and like potentially break our locker room by like losing you know 56 to zero or something you know whatever um we're just gonna kind of like go out and execute like sort of a vanilla game plan and then lose you know it's almost like you lose the game i don't know 38 to 20 and it's like okay well you know that wasn't a total disaster we kind of ran into a buzzsaw and then maybe your locker room's like not you know really down on themselves going into the second game um but yeah i mean that second game I don't think UVA is going to sleep on JMU at all. So like, I think that second game really demands your attention too. It's just, where is the team going to be out of the first game? Um, And honestly, like, I think if you get blown out by Tennessee and your team can't like get off the mat, then they're probably not going to be that good anyway. That's fair. See, and your, your point about the game plan is exactly what I'm talking about. So like, I understand like the kids and all you, and what you say to them, Right. But in terms yeah, of your, but it's like they're of, like we're gonna kind of like coast through right. this one. So yeah. then, like you know, your question is like, all right, are you are you strictly you are you treating it almost like in a like in for lack of a description like a glorified exhibition, right? Where like you're much more interested in like getting some of your stuff on film, right? Putting guys in situations to run essentially like some almost like baseline stuff versus like okay. Now we're gonna really are gonna roll out the annexation of Puerto Rico. Like you're not really unless you get unless it gets obviously close in the fourth quarter or whatever, whatever. You're not pulling out all the stops here or there. You know what I'm saying? So it's I'm just curious, and I mean this is one of those like unanswerable questions, which is fine. Like that's you know sports is like this sometimes where you sort of have these opportunities to kind of kind of talk about things that you might never really get an answer for. I just find it really interesting to think about a team that is in the position that Virginia's in, given sort of some of the um, totality of circumstances at play, right? Going into that game, understanding sort of who they are, who they're not, what they, you know, by that point in in terms of, you know, um, game prep and whatnot, you have a pretty decent idea, hopefully, at least, what you do well and what you don't do well. And so you're trying to maximize how, you, you know, your strengths and such, minimize your weaknesses. You're going into the game in a lot of ways normally, but I think that because it's the opener, because of sort of where things are, I could see them, you know, doing some things a little bit differently um, in terms of game planning, in terms of maybe planning for, you know, rotations of players, for example, right? Um, you know, if you're really trying to go someplace and shock some team and pull off an upset, um, you know, the reality is is that you're likely going to do everything you can to to put your best out there all the time. But this might be a game where it's a good idea for you for a variety of reasons to get some extra dudes in the game. I'm not saying that like you're going to, you know, play your third string quarterback. Right. But what I do mean is that like, maybe you do have a rotation up front or you do have a rotation uh, at cornerback. So you can see some different guys in the mix. You know what I mean? And I, and I wonder how much of that, um, especially on, especially, you know, in the spots where they just don't have a lot of that, um, sort of proven playable depth. I just wonder how much of that we might see um, simply just because of the, the, the opponent and the situation and everything. Um, I think one thing I will say, like from today, um, a lot of guys were asked by different media folks about the preseason being oh yeah, picked last. Right, right. right. Um, in the ACC and, and Tony was asked and he said, and I, I kind of liked his answer. He was basically like, well, I mean, that's fine because on paper, like we lost so many guys. We had a bad year last year. Like, what do you like? You what almost you ex- to do, right? You expect to be picked last because like on paper they should be. 
Um, but he's like, but you know, that doesn't mean that's where we're going to be. You know, it just, and he's like, you don't want to set the bar. Like he talks about this a lot, but he's like, you can't really like be, you know, you can't make that you're like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong because like, like he didn't say this, but it's almost like if you finish 12th, you like mission accomplished, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, that's not like what you want to do, but you have to be kind of motivated to go out and prove people wrong. But all the players kind of said the same thing. They're like, we can't really care about that. Like we're trying to win some games and like, we don't really care what people say. And it doesn't, I didn't hear anybody be like, we're going to go out and prove everybody wrong, but you know, so we'll see what, what gets said about that. Um, but also, like, one more thing on what you were saying, Brad. I don't know. Tennessee might be the worst team to try to do the, like, let's go and just get through this game thing because they might hang, like, 60 on you just by default if you, like, don't, you know, <laughs> like, keep the pedal down because they just score so fast. Um, so, like, that could be a problem. <laughs> you could get It could end up getting to that bad place even if you don't <laughs> really want it to. Yeah, you could be in it and all of a sudden you're not. Um, that's that's a really good point too. Yeah, I it's like you kind of just keep punting it back to them, and they just keep scoring. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the good news is is that you got a lot of running backs that you can at least try <laughs> try to run the ball. Um, I, last last thing tonight before we wrap up, I, I do want to. I think there's a, you know, the the sort of like weird fandom elephant in the room going into the season is sort of like the varying degrees of people's um like where they are in the stages of like, um whether they should be excited or not or how much they should be excited or the degree to which excitement is a good idea. Um, and I, and I kind of just want to get a baseline for where we are uh, as a group. We, we joke every year um, about, you know, we do a preseason prediction podcast and we joke about, you know, preseason awesomeness disease and, Dave and I inevitably, you know, always do this thing where we talk ourselves into the in X, Y, and Z. Ferber's usually, he talks himself a little bit into something, but usually he's much more measured. He almost always is right. Um, usually he doesn't go far enough. And he tells us that after the podcast. It's amazing if, if, uh, if, if uh, every time after we record and Ferber's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to do, wanted to say X, Y, and Z. You, normally all those things come true too. Um, but I just thought it'd be a good kind of check-in opportunity for us. Because obviously, I, I think there's a there's a significant part of the fan base that I think is going to be excited no matter what, and then there's a significant part of the fan base I think that's going to be sort of pessimistic um, in general. And I'm just curious, kind of where we all fall right now, um, because I think that in some ways, and since I just threw the question at you, I'll go first. Um, I think there are some areas where I am really optimistic about this team. And there are some things that I'm I'm going to have to see sort of come to fruition before I sort of uh, bank on seeing them come to fruition, if that makes any sense, right? They're going to have to sort of prove me wrong in a couple of areas. And yet I I look around and I think like it, it they have some of the pieces that you would need in order to for people to later go, yeah, man, how did how did they get picked last? You know, like because I think in order for you to do that, you do have to have some experience. You've got to have some, you know, what I would call like commonsensical um, succession planning, right? Like you can look at some of the positions and say like, oh yeah, and there are these guys and there's also this and so they have this and da 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 da. Um, so I think for me, I, I certainly have areas where I'm excited, but the the places where I'm a little bit worried tend to sort of, um, I don't want to say like completely negate the excitement, but they definitely temper it to a place where 
you know, I don't think I'm going to be super, um, you know, super rah-rah on that uh, preseason prediction show, um, in large part because, like I said, there's just these things about the team that I'm going to have to see be real before I can expect them to be real. Um, who wants to go first? Yeah, I can go. I mean, I don't know that I have an expectation for the team because the, look, last year ended terribly. Um, and they, they lost a lot outside of, you know, the tragic, the tragic losses. Um, and the schedule is brutal to start the year. Like if this, if we did, you know, last year it ended normally, this still be a tough start to the year, you know, replacing a quarterback and replacing. We what were you talking about this schedule before last year even started. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, I hope they year, win this year. Cause next yeah. year's going to be rough. Spoiler alert next year, next year <laughs> from two years ago, which is next year. Now also not easy. Um, it, you know, it's tough. So for me, and this sounds like a cop out, but those who know will know, like I'm very excited for the players on this team to play football together and move forward. And hopefully it, the results in wins for me as a fan. Um, I think the beginning of this, you know, the way the schedule starts, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Like, I, I don't know if the wins and loss records is going to reflect team progressing, but I'm hoping, you know, whatever happens, wins and loss was the guys have a great time together. The players win, they get better. And then by, middle of the season when the schedule softens up a little bit, they become a team that could be competitive in every game from that point forward. I see that after the, after what we all went through last year, I'll be happy. Maybe not on a day by day basis, but overall. <laughs> so. I, uh, I agree with what Dave said. I think, um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch Mike Collins comments. I don't know if they posted that or not. Um, from Friday, but um, I just hope for him. I mean, I hope he finds what he came back for, you know, like he is like super mature, introspective dude. Like um, it seems like he's slowly kind of like mentally getting where he wants to be. Um, and, you know, I hope that he has a great season because, you know, he deserves to, but at the same time, like, as far as like the on-field product and all that, like, yeah, I, I think Dave, I, it's not just that the schedule is what it is. Cause I think like, if you look at the totality of it, like there's some workability to it, but the problem is it's like the front part of it is very loaded. And I feel like that the momentum piece of the season can get derailed quickly. Right. If you spread those games out across the uh, season and you had William and Mary in week two and not JMU or whatever, you know, you're like, all right, well, we're going to start one and one. Like, you know, you're not as worried about losing the first game. Um, you know, so I, I think it'll be interesting. I think there's a path for them, an easy path for them to exceed expectations, which are obviously low. Um, and we've talked about this before, but it's the same path that a lot of other teams have taken advantage of lately. And that's you just get the right transfers and they fit and everything else kind of falls into place. And I think the recipe for a team, I think it's way easier now for a team to go from like two and 10 to eight and four. We saw it with Duke. Um, obviously they changed, change coaches, but like it's possible a lot of, in, a, in large part because of the transfer portal and the ability to sort of turn your roster over. It used to be like, if you lost 18 guys 
then you were screwed. There was nothing you could do about it. And teams still might be screwed if they lose that many guys. But now it's like you can go out and replace them. Tony Musket can absolutely be better than what Brendan Armstrong was last year. And that's, you know, obviously Brendan wasn't the best version of himself, but the version we saw was not good. So, like, if Tony can come in and be stable, he doesn't even have to be great, probably. If he can just be stable, um, and the defense is what I think it's going to be, and they can cobble together an offensive line that doesn't get your quarterback hurt, then I think they will exceed expectations. Right. I don't know how much they'll exceed them by. I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying like if that all that all of that could happen and they could still go, you know, four and eight right. or whatever. But that's still better than a lot of people think they're going to do, including Vegas. Right. So yeah. I think there's a path for them to be a little better than what we think. There's also a path for them to be just as bad as people think if the opposite happens and you, yeah. you just got the transfers that didn't fit. You know? Yeah, the the seasons like this where they're where the margin for error, and I mean I know people get tired of hearing about that, but it's just a reality, right? Where the margin of error is what it is, and also too like, you know, we talked about this last year going into the season that hey, you know, if Rudd and his people are can even get the defense to a place where they're not just like, they don't even need to be great, they just need to be consistently decent, that 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 will be such a big step up. Now the calculus of that was thrown off because the offense was just. Just the poo poo. But now, I mean, you could flip it to the offense. Exactly, and so you could say, like, well, what you've seen from the from the defense, right? If the offense, to your point about Musket, like, if they can be even remotely consistent, don't you know hurt themselves too often, and just sort of make plays as they come, like that could make a pretty big improvement over what we saw last year, right? the The trick is, is that in these situations, is understanding what is what is the thing you can count on to consistently happen, right? We talk a lot about that when it comes to like UVA basketball and Tony Bennett and the sort of way he thinks of it as rotations, right? He a lot of times will go with experience, but it's not necessarily just experience he's going for. He's going for the known commodities, the things he can rely on, the things he he understands will be there night in and night out. For this team this season, the things that are going to be there week in and week out are are going to essentially be the story of the season, right? They don't have the firepower or they don't at least have the um the proven firepower to make you think they're going to score a whole bunch of points a game. Could they do that? Absolutely. Is it likely? Probably not. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that these, these little degrees are where the thing will get won and lost. And so we're going to have a lot of conversations in the weeks ahead about um, sort of where it is and, you know, vibes and all this fun stuff. But I thought it would just be a good place to sort of, um, check where we all are heading into this thing. Because I, like I said, I know there's varying degrees of um, excitement and pessimism abounding left and right throughout the fan base. So I think that is a good place to put a pin in it. Unless you guys have anything else. Right. I was just going to say like, nobody's surprised they got picked last, right? I no, mean, I mean, I, I fully expect we we how far they yeah, were the gap last, was like, maybe a little bit bigger than I expected, but yeah, them's the breaks, but, you know, um, well, if you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating interview, we'd appreciate it. Now, if you haven't given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Lots of preseason football stuff. Ferber's going to be practice notes and uh, you got some video and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, now is the time to sort of dig back in after the summer, which we... I feel like we, we, we sort of, at least podcast-wise, we officially put the summer to rest tonight. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely give us a good website, castcorner.com. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time, as always. Very much appreciate all they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of castcorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.